back to another edition of The Teardown. My name is Jeff Buck, along with my colleague Jordan Yonke. We are motorsports writers for The Athletic, and here we are sitting in the Miami Grand Prix paddock as it is being completely torn apart, Jordan. We we were upstairs for the, you know, we did the press conferences, we went upstairs to do a little work, watch the end of the NASCAR race, and, you know, I don't know, we were up there for, I don't what, an hour, two hours, something, we come back outside, and this place is shipping containers, forklifts, everybody just completely, all the, the garage buildings, all the hospitality areas that were just beautifully assembled, were flocking with celebrities, all that stuff, all being just completely torn apart. What a, what a scene here. It is, and you are sitting in a very comfy, what would you call that chair, a outdoor lounge some, chair? Yeah, like some sort of tropical lounge chair that you might find in Hawaii or something, <laughs> and I gave you a plastic lawn chair. That's always kind of so nice I to me. <laughs> yeah. I took this without even asking, too. Oh, I know did you, you did. That? Oh, well aware. <laughs> well aware, Jeff. Well, Not surprised you know, either, by the way. I scouted this spot earlier, so I, I thought this would be a good place to do it, and this would be very relaxing. You can pull that other chair over if oh, you no, want. Oh, no, thanks. That's very kind okay. of you. Appreciate anyway, that. Uh, we're here to talk about, obviously, the Formula One race, the debut in Miami, and we'll also get to the uh, NASCAR race at Darlington Later, in I want to talk about Darlington because I think this is going to be fun. <laughs> I'm already, I already have opinions about this. We should just yeah. get to it. Let's go. You want to talk about Darlington or, first? The, let's do it. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, more people care about the NASCAR. Let's probably listen to this podcast and not. And let's do it. We both watched the finish. We didn't watch much of the race, right, yeah. but we saw so the last. We did not. Um, we did not get to see, uh, you know, a large portion of the race. We're following a large portion of the NASCAR race on Twitter. Could tell from people's tweets that I follow that have opinions on when they share, oh, it's good racing or not good racing. They said, oh, it's good racing. They like, they seem to like it. Uh, obviously, there was a lot of uh, contenders, a lot of big names who seem to struggle or have problems or whatever. And, you know, that's, uh, we, we kind of expected that, right? Like, because it, it, we, we expected a race similar to Fontana where a, a worn out bumpy track was gonna make it difficult with this car. And it sounds like that's what happened. We didn't, you know, we didn't get to see it. But, um, you know, ju- just judging by the replays on Twitter, Twitter and stuff like that, it seemed like uh, people enjoyed it. Now, that said, looked like Willie B was about to win a race. In fact, on the broadcast there, Bill Elliott was saying, oh, I think Logano's <laughs> getting a little closer or not getting closer. And uh, Mike Joy was like, oh, come on, give me something to work with here. Yeah, where's this TV? We're trying to sell the drama yeah. here. We're going to keep people tuned in. And then so so Bill Elliott was like, oh, yeah, well, oh, he's getting a little bit closer. But it, he actually was getting closer. Was. He got closer and closer. And, uh, you know, he was, he was driving his butt off there. Um, but obviously then comes the moment that uh, is going to be talked about all week on NASCAR radio and podcasts and stories. What was your take on Logano's move on, on Byron there? Did you expect anything different? Like, I mean, that's who... Yes. Okay, why did you expect something different? Because to me, this is who Logano is. He's an aggressive driver. He's somebody who's going to go for it. We've seen this time and time again. If he has an opportunity... If he's not afraid to put the bumper to somebody, he was whether right, wrong, or however you feel about what happened earlier between him and Byron, he, Logano, felt like he owed Byron one. So you put all of that together, of course he is going to stick it to Byron when he had the chance, and that's exactly what happened. Okay, well, there's there's a couple things that I think play into this, obviously, right? First of all, of course you know that Logano's an aggressive driver. That's, that's not a secret. But this was more than just being an aggressive driver. This was, a, in my opinion... This was a dirty move. This was dirty. Now, you raise a good point in that he feels like it was justified, and he, he said it time and time again in his press conference. It's justified because Byron ran him into the wall on the restart, <laughs> um, and, you know, so once that happened, it was a gloves-are-off type thing. Similar to, you know, we, we all t- we talked about the code. We talked about it with Chastain and Almendinger at Coda. Once you've gotten hit, then... That triggers, okay, now gloves are off. And that's how Logano felt. However, watching the replay back of that restart, I don't feel like he got, you know, put into the wall. I think Byron may have, you know, slipped up a little bit, then tried to come off and give him room. That was hard racing. That wasn't like, I'm going to put you in a wall to make this pass. Logano took it way further. And I did not like at all how, okay, this is not the last lap. Uh, it's coming to the white, obviously, but 
he didn't try to get underneath him. He didn't try to make a pass. He didn't try to pull up inside and then nod him out of the way. He just simply went so fast into the corner without lifting that he ran into the back of him, booted him out of the way, and gets out of the car and says, well, you know, immediately it was justified. And then in the press conference over and over again, that, you know, Bob Pockris uh, tried to ask him a few different ways. Well, was this maybe because you hadn't won in over a year? Was this maybe because the playoffs are on the line or, you know, blah, blah, blah. No, Logano kept coming back to you. No, he put me in the wall. I wouldn't have done that if he didn't put me in the wall first. So I guess I have a different interpretation. I don't think that was that strong of a move. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Like, I, I mean, looking at the replay, it was a racing incident. And furthermore, there was multiple incidents off of turn two today. Chastain got loose off of turn two, crashed out. Martin Trex Jr., I believe, got turned off loose off of turn two, crashed out. That was a trouble spot all day today. And so that was where Byron got a little loose, too, and got up in the wall. Again, I don't disagree. It was a racing incident. Wait, that, okay. What? Yeah. I'm agreeing with you. What is your, what is yes. your. Yes, okay, go ahead, go I, ahead. I'm agreeing with you, and you're taking exception. No, I don't even think the Byron thing was the same as, like, a Chastain or a. He a got Truex. loose. I mean, whatever. He did get loose. I mean, he got up into him a little bit. Whatever. Anyway, so, again, don't disagree with that. But it doesn't matter what we perceive it as. Like, if Logano inside the race car perceives it one way and this is going to impact and this obviously impacted what he did and his actions it's like okay great i will be interested to see though and i would love to be a fly on the wall is for logano to see the replay of the of byron getting into him a little bit and looking at it kind of like a step removed and say ah you know what maybe that wasn't as bad as i thought it was in the moment he's not going to think that yeah he's going to watch the replay and say that justifies it. Maybe. See. But it would be interesting. But, again, it, I mean, it's like it's the debating like that. Well, this is the way. It's like the end of the day, if Logano's upset and he feels like he's wrong, then he's going to go and do it regardless. Well, I get that. I just don't think that, you know, he was wrong to the, to the degree that he thinks he was wrong. Um, and I guess that's where we are as, you know, NASCAR is, is really uh, – I. I don't, I don't want them to step in. I think it should be self-policing. However, I think it might be getting, starting to get down the road toward the point where NASCAR is going to have to take a hard look at some of these incidents because, oh. no, just, just hear me out for a second. I'm not saying they're there yet. But if you have every one of your close finishes come down to, well, you, you know what's going to happen. This guy, as soon as he gets close, he's just going to knock the hell out of them away. Whether it's Chastain and the, the Bowman uh, Almondinger thing or what? Why are you laughing? Because this is the most – just keep going, and then I'm going to dissect this and tell you why this is the stupidest thing ever. Okay. Well, here's the thing. What's going to happen is you're going to have uh, a bunch of playoff races decided this way, and you're going to have the championship decided this way by – and be, let's be honest, that doesn't take talent to run into somebody that backs somebody and just wreck them. It's not, it's not a bump and run. That's not a bump and run. Byron was wrecked. He finished 13th. You know, that cost him, you know, obviously, even if he wasn't going to win, he was going to finish second. That cost him, you know, a, a lot of points. You don't know what, how it's going to shake out with the, you know, the points battle for the regular season title, blah, 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 all that stuff. But. I just think it's going to get down the road where it's going to be like every time. And you know all the younger drivers and trucks and Xfinity are watching this kind of thing too. And they're going, well, that's how we're going to race too. That's how the cup guys do it. Um, I just don't, I'm not, I, I, that doesn't impress me. Does that, does that earn respect for you that I get, okay, you, you know, you got to do what you, it takes or whatever. And, and obviously NASCAR has set, set it up like this where one win you're in, but it doesn't, does that, are you like, wow, that was some great driving. I mean, is it great driving? No. But it's been this way really since 2004 when NASCAR went to this model of playoffs. No, it has not been this way since 2004. Ryan and Newman. And they did not go to – that was not when the the model of the playoffs started with the win and you're in. That, yeah. was not, that, that was not how it used to be. It used to be firmly on points in 2004. 2014, excuse me. Since, the playoff, since this, this format was instituted in 2014, this is how it's been, where a win basically clinched you a playoff berth. The guys have raced this way. It's been that way, that's, and it's always been their, the, the reasoning is, hey, a win me so much. And NASCAR's not going to police this because they love it. 
This is what they want. This is how they advertise their racing. This is what differentiates NASCAR, at least the perception among many, is that this is differentiates from the sport, the, from the race we covered today from Formula One, our IndyCar race. How many times do we cover other forms of racing? We hear, oh, this, this incident's under review. This incident's under review. And we're sitting there going, oh my goodness, this is over-officiated. And we say, oh, you know what? The nice thing in NASCAR is we don't got to worry about that. And you're never going to walk down that line. They love this. They love that anything can happen on the last lap. They want the drama. They want guys bumping and banging. It's in every commercial. They want got. They're probably up in their heart, in their darkest spots of them. They're probably upset that William Byron didn't storm down pit road today and confront Joey Logano because that is the drama that sells. That is what's in the commercials. They want that. And that's what this is. And with the cha- if the championship comes down to this, are you? Ki- we saw this last year in the Xfinity race. Like it was. I mean, whether it was right or wrong. And again, I think that was fine racing. That wasn't a wreck to win. It wasn't a wreck to win, but he certainly got into him, and it, you could, the, the debate was there. And like, the, are you kidding me? They would love this. This is what they want to sell. They want uh, action like you this. Know, you know, you make an outstanding point. You really do. You make an outstanding point, and I, I agree with you that that is how they view it. My question is, is there a line? Is there a point where you get to it as a sport and you go, oh, gosh, this yeah. is not how we want things to go, where our guys are just playing bumper cars and demolition derby to to win a race? And I mean, I guess you're right. I mean, I, the more it's the, all the highlights and all that stuff, but what about, like, the – Again, like the credibility of like you know, a good racing and stuff. You're laughing at me again. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you, the, there's a line. There's always a line, right? What is it? I don't know what that is. It's a constantly moving line. Let's just be honest. Um, Let me ask you this then. Let me ask you this: If Logano goes in there uh, and never lets off the gas and like basically drives Byron all the way into the wall, like. Kyle Busch did to Hornaday in that truck race under caution that year, you know, where he's basically, basically like, I'm going to just yeah, Texas never let off the gas until you are completely wrecked. And let's say he did that for the lead. Okay. Is that too far or no? Well, I was under caution. So that's a different, no, no, no. But I'm just saying, let's say he did a move like that, where he just, instead of just bumping him out of the way, he just just like turns into completely make sure he's completely wrecked. Is that too far? Boy, that you know, as you're talking about this, that was the thing with my head. It's like if a guy gets underneath him and he completely like you know turns right or turns left into him. Yeah. Yeah, like if he. Okay. Yeah. Another he, example. If he hooked him. Yeah. If he went under him and just said, "I'm gonna blatantly hook you here and pass you for the win." Boy. Is that too far? If, what kind of track? What size track is it? Darlington. I think NASCAR lets it go. No, they do let it go, but I'm saying, is that too far? Is that where you need to draw a line? Do they need to stay? Because, because here's the thing, Jordan, you're on pace for something like this to happen. Sure. Be, that, that's what I'm saying. You're, you're starting to go down a road, and again, I, I don't say it's, it's time for them to officiate it now, but you're starting to get to a point where all these, these wins, these dramatic moments come down to somebody knocking somebody out of the way. Is that going to be okay? How, how, how far do you let it go before you go, we're going to penalize? Because here's the thing. On the other hand, what you're saying with NASCAR and celebrating it, you can't just then come out of the blue. If, if Logano did do that today and just hooked him for the win, you can't come out of the blue and say, you're penalized, we're sending you to the back. Rough driving. You can't yeah. because that's inconsistent. So what, what is it going to be and how are you going to officiate it? I'll know it when I see it. I guess that's probably the best way to say it. And I think in that moment, in that case, it's going to be tough. But again, I felt like it was, I didn't feel like this, this wasn't was too it. Far this, off I didn't even feel like this was close. I, I don't know. As soon as he did before. it today, I felt, I didn't like, I didn't feel good about that. What I just saw. It's, you felt fine about it. It's, this is classic NASCAR in a lot of respects. It's not classic. Oh, it's give me classic. a break. You, guys slamming into each other and turning each other and crashing. This is classic NASCAR. Are you kidding me? This has been going on since day one. That was this was a move that had very little, um, you know. I, I don't think it was retaliate. You know, Logano said it was equal. We're equal now. I don't think it was that. He said he's. We've never had a problem racing before. It wasn't for any past incident. You know, it, this wasn't like some, you know, revenge type thing. That that, you know, I just 
I don't but know. But it man. was revenge to him. Because, again, I'm not saying I agree with it, but in his mind, this was revenge because he was the aggrieved party from an incident that he felt where he was pushing into the wall. Now, again, we can look at it and we disagree with that, but in his mindset, this was straight, I'm seeing red because I just got, you know, yeah, I got well, taken advantage the of. The bottom line is, he doesn't care. No. He doesn't care at no, all. Sure he doesn't he. care that he got booed. And that's he doesn't what, care that, you know, he doesn't and, care. And you need more of that. You need guy, You need more of the guys who don't care. And I don't care if I get booed. And I'm okay being booed. And I like it. I'm going to embrace it and bring it on. Yeah. NASCAR needs villains. NASCAR is better when it has villains. And Logano is a great villain. Wow. He's not a Kyle, level, Kyle Bush level villain, but he's close. There's certainly uh, a few things turn the narratives. Uh, you know, there could have been, like we like to talk about, the different narratives i mean it could have been a toyota day they looked their cars looked really good Oof, that for last a while and they all got taken out pretty much <laughs> four, was that nine car wreck, wreck and yeah. four of them got caught um that had to be a, a gut punch for toyota because it was looking like oh they might have something i mean Plus, hamlin before his pit thing might have won the race and then yeah. truex kyle bush was yeah truex was really good all day kyle bush H- was taken out in the keselowski incident yep and he had a good car and it's just um, um yeah so then and then so you take that narrative, that would have been one. And then number two would have been, I was actually t- starting to type this out uh, until uh, I saw Logano getting closer. Byron would have been the only three, three-time winner. He would have won more races already this season than he had won in his entire career previously. Hendrick would have won six out of the first 12 races. And Chevy would have won eight out of the first 12 races. Yeah, and I was going to, furthermore, on top of it, I was thinking the same thing. Because with a couple laps to go, I'm like, you know, last week I was kind of my doubts whether he's a... Chastain and Chase Elliott contender thing. And I was like, okay, yeah, we're just going to throw him in that group now because he certainly deserves Yeah, it was, I was going to be like, okay, Byron, championship contender. Yeah. This is the story. Hell, hell maybe and, even a favorite, really. Well, and so so does this change that? Because he was going to win that race. No, I mean, he was really fast. I mean, he's been good. And, I I mean, this is this is the the beauty of our podcast and sometimes the, the bane of our podcast. The is, curse. Yeah, the curse, if you will, is like we have these discussions. And, you know, I go back and I rewatched um, last week's race. And I'm looking at it and I'm going, and I'm looking at the numbers and everything, and I'm like, you know what? I'm really dismissing Byron and what he's done. And I should have, and you raised the point. You were right. Like, hey, what about Byron? And I was like, and in the heat of the moment, I just didn't feel like it. But I went back, watched the race, looked at his season's totality, and I was like, oh, yeah, he, he definitely belonged in that category. So I was going to, you know, man, Coupel over here, he, he, he deserves to be in that group. And, I mean, you can make a case that, He's been more impre- he's been more impressive week in week out than his teammate Chase Elliott. I, I really am starting to think that Byron is the championship favorite. I am. I, I'm yeah, starting to go I, down that road. Honestly. I still think there's a group of guys that are like kind of in that mix, and it's it's those three guys. I would throw. I, I, I mean, would. Chastain was fast, but then Chastain takes himself out. Yeah, and again, it's thing. Darlington guys spin out. I mean, I'm not going to hold yeah. that against them. I mean, I will. I'm starting to throw. I'm starting to look at Truex this season. Like Truex has been pretty good now, week in and week out for the most part now. He's starting to put together, not the finishes necessarily, but he's knocking on that door. You know, um, I would, I'm, I'm seeing Kyle Larson too. Like Kyle Larson doesn't have the finishes, right? Not at all. But he's got the speed, like he's in the mix. And I know this is going to sound really weird considering, but, <laughs> and I know he's like snake, but he like obviously walked underneath the ladder in front of a black cat, like Denny Hamlin, like. He's had speed, like you almost. Mentioned Denny Hamlin as part of championship contender right now. Why? He, I mean, just hear me out though. He's got speed, like most weeks. Like they have speed. They just, it's every week. It's like something though. It's like, but it's like lug nut issue on pit road today, and then he got put in the back. Um, but that's not what a championship team does, Jordan. That's not. That's that's a sign of when when those things. Happen, but if they have speed, they have speed. That's the most important thing. The other stuff you can clean up. And if they clean that up, they've already got the speed. They're going to be fine. And they have already shown once this year, hey, we put together a race. We're going to win. Like, these guys are they are too good to dismiss. All right, Jordan right now is calling the guy who's like 20-something in points as a championship. Kevin player. Harvick in 2014 had two wins in like the first nine races, and he was like 20th in points because they were just they were so woefully inconsistent. But then they figured it out. They worked out their kinks, and then they went on this run. It's like, I mean, would you be shocked at all if Hamlin won, like, the next two or three races? No. Uh, yeah, I would be shocked. With the shocked. speed? If he won the next two races? Yeah. At Kansas, then they go to, they got the 600? 
Yeah, I think that would be surprising. No, with the speed they have, are you kidding me? No way. Okay. They haven't really shown they can put a full race together, so that's why it would be surprising. <laughs> but they I have mean, the capability. They, they mean, they really do. And, I, and that's why. God, so I, that's, yes. that's the other guy throwing that, that mix. He doesn't even have his crew chief. Uh, again, that ain't, I don't think that matters. <laughs> okay. Well, anything else you want to talk about the NASCAR race? I love this new car and old worn surfaces, man. This is I know. This is like we talk how much we love short tracks and you everything. You could take the uh, the asphalt here that all the F1 drivers <laughs> shredded. That's a great after. transition. <laughs> well, let's do the was it a good race poll first uh, before we move completely on to F1. Um, this is a hard one. Obviously, we didn't really. Oh, I got my number. Oh, you do? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Go, go for it. Uh, you, because you got it like within. You almost got it. Yeah, exactly. And on the you nose tried last to get week. me for the second straight week. You tried to get me to change it. Yeah. And you know, for the second straight week, I was like, you darn your like spot. One percent or yeah, something. Yeah, I think it was yeah, like half percent. Very well percent. done. Good job. Good um, job. I'm gonna say eighty-three percent. Eighty-three percent. Really? Was it that good? Did people. Uh, think from what I good? saw, this was classic Darlington. Guys slipping around, sliding, tire wear, good passing. And again, small sample size passing that kind of thing i think people are going to see it plus a great finish you give me 83 i almost went higher even really um i, w I was thinking high 70s for it um I, I was for whatever reason i had 78 in my head so i'll just go with that but it's obviously a total guess because like i said i didn't i didn't get to watch enough of the race to really know but we got to guess anyway so there you go <laughs> All right, Jordan, let's move on to Formula One since we were here in the Formula One paddock. And uh, somebody's playing some good music over there now. This is, this is EDM. This is I don't even know who this is. Yeah. Um, well, that's, this was certainly a day, uh, certainly a week uh, weekend. Very interesting, obviously. Uh, you had been to one F1 race last October at Coda. I had been to one F1 race five years ago at Coda. And... Uh, you know, this, this one was way different to me than the previous one I went to. My experience five years ago was I embedded with Haas F1 team for the weekend with jeffgluck.com, my site back at the time. And nobody really read my stories and nobody really cared that I was in an F1 race. I read. Part. I and cared. You cared. I read. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I really, there wasn't really much traction for F1 in this country. Obviously things are huge now. And I spent, I don't know, probably an hour or two in the paddock at various points today, just standing in one place or sitting in one place and watching like big famous names walk by. Uh, you didn't have to like walk around and try to find people. It's just like, wow, there goes that person. There goes that person. There goes, oh, you know, um, <laughs> I ran in, it was funny as you say this, like I'm walking through the paddock and I was, you're more, I think it's fair to say you're more probably into the celebrity stuff than I am. And I'm walking through the paddock, just kind of taking in everything and kind of trying to chase down something. And then I like, I literally walked into David Beckham. Like we bumped shoulders. Like I was just like, oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then I saw him and I turned and he's like, he's walking in the Red Bull. And I'm like, oh, he's hugging some woman. I'm not sure who that is. I had to. And then I saw Christian Horner, and I'm like, oh, that's, oh, the Spice Girls. Like, it completely escaped my mind. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I think if you, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm not saying that celebrities are the measure of an event, but it's certainly um, a measure of uh, relevance within pop culture, I would say. And if you are able to attract big names who want to come out and I'm a hundred percent sure that not, you know, that all the people here were not even reported on. A lot of people did not come through the paddock, just went straight to the VIP areas. Sure. Yeah. We heard some like names. That. Um, I think probably this rivaled, you know, it may have surpassed Monaco in terms of this felt, I mean, I don't ever been to Monaco, but this felt, I think there was more celebrities was say, and famous people here than maybe even at Monaco. Agreed. Um, and so when you think of it in those terms, like the glitz, glamour type thing, this is what Miami was billed as. This 100%. race surely was not for the sort of average race fan. It was way overpriced. 
um, you know, the, the campus pass was like $900 or something, just the, the, which is basically a GA pass, a GA Can ticket. I, let me tell you this story. So okay. uh, I talked to a couple fans today, and you're going to read about this on The Athletic for something I'm kind of, we're talking about this. I talked to a fan, and this is what he told me, and I, I've got doubts, but I, he bought one of those, what is it called, the paddock passes that gets you, like, unlimited, you know, you can go anywhere, right? Okay. You know what he told me? He said he paid 30 grand for it. 30 grand? 30 grand. I'm like, I'm like, I said four times, like, 30 grand? Like, no way. It's like, I'm serious. And like, well, the paddock club right up here just costs $10,000 per person to get into. Okay, so, I mean, and I mean, that's where he was, like, he was, we saw him up there, or I saw him up there. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, yeah. There, there's hats being sold for 100, like, ball caps, $130. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, the grandstand this tickets were well over $1,000 each, and, of course, they sold out, and... There was a high demand, and they think they can get even more people next year. They had eighty thousand people here, but they capped it because they wanted, they didn't want it to be like a, a, you know, fire festival type thing where, you know, it was a disaster with people getting around. Uh, but Tar Tom Garfinkel, who we talked to this morning, the head of the Grand Prix, um, formerly of Hall of Fame Racing in NASCAR, now the president of the Dolphins and Hard Rock Stadium, president and CEO, uh, he said he'd like to get a hundred thousand people next year and ramp it up more. Um, just depending on what they can handle. Obviously, uh, you know, they, they have this. I guess my point is this had a lot of hype and a lot of interest, but it wasn't. It, this was like uh, the place to see and be seen. It's funny now, you should I, say that. That's also the lead of my column, by the way. Oh, okay. I'm sorry about <laughs> no, that. No, you're doing a great job. Like, just going to record this and like, transcribe it into my story. <laughs> uh, you know, that said, I, I do think there was a, a ton of race fans here because you look all around and people had – McLaren hats or Mercedes hats or Red Bull hats, um, you know, people were very enthusiastic in the grandstands. I think the people in the, in the grandstands and stuff were highly into this race. Um, so I don't think it was just like a bunch of rich people who didn't care about racing. Oh, no. They cared about racing a lot. And, and the person I, I spoke to that I just relayed the story, he, I asked him, so how long have you been a you know, uh, Formula One fan? Since the sun and days. And it's like he had to be here because of that. And he kind of actually talked about that of like there's a disconnect between like the old, old Formula One fans who are like kind of been around a little bit and how they feel like he's getting squeezed out a little bit. But this race is this is what this race was about. This was always built this way. It wasn't. And it's never going to be about what's on the racetrack. Like whatever happens on the racetrack is like a bonus almost. It's like this is the scene. This is a, a cross of sports, culture and lifestyle coming together. And that's what this was. Well, I mean, they had built it as F1 Super Bowl. And if you think about it, the Super Bowl is not for sort of the ordinary football fan either. I mean, this, you think about the price of Super Bowl tickets. Yeah, it's all uh, corporate. It's all those most of those people are in the stands are corporate. You know, driven. Or extremely wealthy people. Yes. Or they're, they're like, oh, I don't care. I'll drop $3,000 for a Super Bowl ticket. Exactly. Or whatever, you know. Um, now, that being said, um, somebody made a great point to me this weekend. Uh, and... You know, because we're talking about, wow, there's going to be three F1 races in America now, right? Uh, there's going to be Miami, Vegas, and then you're still going to have Austin. And so what does that do? You know, is it too much? Is it too much, you know, F1? And, and is it going to dilute the Austin race? Somebody made an excellent point that, you know, what this could do is really make the Austin race in particular into like the race for sort of the more average F1 Blue collar. You know, not saying blue. I mean, it's still going to be expensive, right? It's F1. But if you're an F1 fan and you really want to go see a race in the United States, you can. You can go to Austin. You might not be able to get into Miami. You might not be able to get into Vegas. You know what I mean? Because that's going to be the next super, super, super hot ticket. Tons of hype. But at least by having that Austin race still there, because Austin's not going to get... Austin will still get celebrities and interest when it comes around in October this year. It, it will. But, but it's not going to be like no. this. And I was going to say, we brought to your point, like I was at Coda last year, huge deal, right? Like we talked about the record crowd, like hype and excitement and all of that, right? It didn't feel anywhere close to this. Like this was, I don't even know how to describe it. It was just, this was something today, like, right? It wasn't that at Coda. It was great, but it wasn't this. And I think you make a great point of like, Maybe you kind of divide them up and be like, hey, that's, this is Monaco. Not everybody can go to Monaco, but everybody can go to the Spanish Grand Prix. And, like, and Austin's going to be the Spanish Grand Prix, and Vegas is going to be Vegas. And I do think, like, for the future of this race, I, this was great. This was awesome. 
Like next year is probably going to be somewhat similar, but I, I, I just I got to see the staying power before I start to think that this this is gonna like this is gonna be my like Monaco's got how many years? Fifty, whatever it is. I mean, it's a ridiculous number. Like, is this just going to be a flash in the pan? I I, I don't know yet. I I need to be proven that it's not before I'm like thinking okay, this, you know, five years from now this is gonna be amazing. It's like okay, let's get through year three, but before we think that, okay? I, I think. Given that it's Miami and Miami's such a destination to begin with, and that they did such a good job with this, that I mean, the paddock we're sitting in here. The last time I was at the stadium, um, I think it was the Thursday night uh, football game with Alan Kavana years ago when when Homestead. Uh, and it was it was it was Dolphins Bills I think, and I, I had texted him this week and I said, Hey, remember when we went to that Thursday night college football game? I thought it was college for some reason. He's like, No, that was. <laughs> That was a Bill Dolphins <laughs> game. They were just really bad. And I thought, I thought, oh, yeah. But anyway, I came here, and we walked around the stadium, and, you know, it was like, I don't know, three-quarters full or half full. It was before they redid it, and it was like a crap hole. I mean, it was the old Joe Robbie Stadium, essentially, right? I mean, it wasn't called that at the time, but um, they hadn't redone it for the Super Bowl with the roof on it and those spires, and they hadn't, and they certainly hadn't done this beautiful work that they've done here with this there's we're sitting right across from this building they built specifically for f1 um unbelievable beautiful club building we went up there yesterday today um they've they've redone i mean the the media center stuff i mean the paddock stuff that it, it was a little notch. bit narrow for what's that it's top notch everything is beautiful it was yeah and 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 you talk to the the drivers and the team principals and the crew members and stuff and they were all gushing over it too so you know you know they're used to going and seeing the best of the best, and they were like, "This they did a really good job with this. Yeah. This was great." They they all thought it was a great event. It, d- it didn't feel like hastily put together or anything like that. Right. Which a I lot mean, of times for a first year event, it, especially. It, and a lot of these like quote unquote street courses are just kind of feel like a rector set. You just quickly put them together, assemble them, and they don't have any character. This had character. Yeah. Um, now, you know, so I, I guess that makes me feel like it's going to be embraced more, and it's going to have that staying power because it'll be such a draw for celebrities and stuff like that. Uh, the bartender on the on the bus we were on last night was talking about how Justin Bieber was at his bar even for the... I mean, the guy who the, had, the like, qualifying. obviously a little too many tequilas? The bartender had a little bit too much of his own bartending, I think. God bless. Hey, man, yes. he's living the dream. Someone's got to. Yeah, he was talking about LeBron and Justin Bieber and all this stuff. Uh, anyway, like, I, I think that's going to continue to draw celebrities. They're just going to know... Hey, this is a big thing. I love Miami. Yeah. Uh, I want to come here. I want to be part of the the show. You know what I mean? Um, that said, like you know, going back to the Austin point, the Austin thing, like when I was there, and I think maybe what you're describing, it, it felt like um, a big Indy 500 where there's tons of people. Mega event feels huge, but the at the core of it is racing. At the core of it is not the glitz and glamour and the show and the people watching. The core of it is the racing. People are there for the race, most people. Um, and, you know, this this felt like more of like the glitz and glamour and there happened to be the race type thing. Is, is that fair? I think that's very fair to say. But part of that glitz and glamour is, though, that these big things that have a lot of glitz and glamour, they, they those stars fade quick, you know. And, like, at the end, and, and I'm still curious about Formula One's, like, staying power and relevancy and like this is great and drive their survive just got re-upped for two years but you gotta have you, you gotta be able to keep that interest and we've seen it with other sports where they get hot they've got a magical three four five whatever years and then it's all of a sudden they can't keep that way and that's why you look at what the nfl has done like they figured they're the only sport to have really figured it out where they don't have like these lulls they have you know every once in a while they kind of dip down but like the, everyone else has got issues, the NFL just keeps cruising around and keeping along, and they just keep soaring. And every other sport will hit like this bump, and they'll go high, and then they come crashing down. And it's like, it's I, I'm just not ready to say that Formula One is going to be on that same trajectory as NFL. Well, obviously, I agree with you. No sport is going to stay on the upward tra- trajectory for years. This is the hot sport, but I think that it's just I, I think it's on its upward trajectory right now. I don't think it's at the peak yet i don't think it's about to crest um i think they have just lit the match and it's skyrocketing and people are starting to talk more about it and figure it out more um now how to maintain that uh i'm not sure but i think it's going to get bigger before it uh plateaus and 
you know, inevitably something, you know, it, like I said, it, it can't, it can't stay that way forever. Um, now, one thing that's ultimately going to help it have staying power is good racing. And that was not the case for much of the race today. Um, now, thankfully, there was a, a safety car that came out uh, about, I don't know, the two thirds way through the race. Um, and that really helped things because it bunched things up, back up. Before that, Max Verstappen was absolutely on cruise control. Um, he had gotten past Carlos Sainz at the start to break up the Ferrari teammates after they'd qualified 1-2. And, you know, you're like, oh, you know, it, once he got in DRS and, and passed Leclerc. See, here's the thing. The Red Bull cars have absolutely awesome straight line speed. Mm -hmm. The Ferraris are great in the corners. Um, well, that but, doesn't work good in Miami because Miami's got three long straightaways. Exactly. And exactly. this was a this was a Red Bull track. I, I, I really felt like as soon as um, as soon as he got around signs at the start and it was only gonna be between him and Leclerc. Yeah. It just and the only question was off. is one was strategy gonna work in their favor, which it almost didn't. And then two, was their car gonna be able to hold together? And Red Bull there was a, there were some concerns because uh, Perez's car had a little bit of an engine issue, and we've seen it twice this year with Verstappen, but their car held together, and it was, you know, three for three. Yeah, so the other thing that was really interesting is, um, you know, the, they, the drivers did not like the surface at all, and they said that that contributed to the racing. Um, it's always, I love, I love hearing drivers from various series talk about the show or the racing or the quality of the racing. Um, you know, Alex Albon and uh, Esteban Ocon, uh, they were all, I mean, George Russell, they were all making comments about it. Uh, the, the track surface needs to be redone. This track surface was billed as, they, what they did was they cut the top layer off it essentially, and they wanted to make it like a little bit more abrasive. They thought that would uh, maybe wear the tires a little more, maybe do something with the grip um, and, and help the tires wear in. It didn't work that way. George Russell said it was like, um, it was like after it had rained and like there's one dry line and if you go off the dry line and you get into the wet and it's super slippery, that, that was how it was. So you couldn't really overtake and if you made one small mistake and got out of sort of that, that one racing groove, uh, that, that was it. And the drivers felt like that just wasn't conducive to good racing. Um, Esteban called it a disaster, the surface. Um, they all you know, were pretty much calling for it to be repaved. Um, and, you know, I, I think they're going to have to look at that. Um, they're also going to have to look at the chicane uh, under the, what? Nothing. I'm listening, watching, watching a guy, like, scale a building over here. Oh, okay. Sorry, you're watching Spider-Man? Yeah, <laughs> he might actually be. It's like, just <laughs> Wow. He's, now he's going to climb over a fence? What is he doing? Oh, okay. Um, Sorry. Anyway, what, what are your thoughts on, on the chicane and the, uh, yeah, the pavement? Yeah, I mean, it, it's... It's a new. It's year one, and there's always kinks, right? You see this so many times with tracks, and there's always something unexpected. And no matter what the work the designers put in, into and the sims are great. We all, you know, but until you get real world cars on the racetrack, it's really hard to to know what things are going to be like. I think that you had to come into this thinking that there's going to probably be some things you're going to have to tweak for year two. We, we talked to the promoter today. He acknowledges much. Like, hey, we're going to do whatever it takes to make sure the racing track is good for your you know it needs to be where it needs to be so none of this surprises me and i think next year when we come back the track is probably going to have it you know largely going to be the same but there are going to be some different changes with it yeah and apparently like lando norris was saying that the reason there's that chicane is there that it goes under the florida turnpike is because since it goes under a highway bridge they there's some sort of policy or i don't know whose policy it is if it's if it's the state or the city or track designers worries or whatever but they wanted they didn't want cars going fast coming under a highway bridge in case something happened or, or i don't know whether it would damage the the driver or the car or whatever if they ran a into liability it. issue the state's uh, on the, the state's on the hook because somebody hit the turnpike yeah hit the turnpike bridge and you know do you have to pay a toll like every time you go through there i wonder yeah, how that right. works if you're like we're stopping you're just the, like uh, hey just put that in my car sunshine pass yeah. or whatever <laughs> ferrari's got the sunshine pass <laughs> um, so, you know, maybe that chicane's necessarily, necessarily they've got to slow him down. But, you know, Daniel Ricardo said it was a Mickey Mouse chicane. Leclerc said, I'm the only driver on this grid that liked the chicane. Everybody else is complaining about it and wants, wants a change. Um, so, 
you know, they're probably gonna have to look at that. I don't know what they do there because you can't. I mean, you can. Bridge. I mean, I'm talking about on the on a road about the athletic is like the, the unfortunate reality of this is like you you don't have a lot to work with here. Like yeah. you're kind of yeah. boxed in. I mean, you've got a giant football stadium, you've got a tennis complex, and then you've got a freeway. And the training, Miami Dolphins training complex. And the training complex. complex. Yeah. But I think mean, it's like, so all of these structures. And we're in a neighborhood. And you're in a neighborhood. I mean, so it's like, you, you got to kind of figure out how to make this work. It ain't the easiest yeah. thing. It was a good track. I mean, it's, the, it's, they said it was a fine track, like, except for that yeah, one part on the surface. So. I'm not a driver. And I, I so and I, their, their objections are carried. They should be listened to. I think that's the fairest thing to say. I wasn't offended by the race today, though. I thought it was, it was fine. It was fine. It was There's like, been many worse F1 races. Hundred percent. I thought the beginning was good, the middle was certainly blah, and then the end was compelling. Like you know, I was yeah. Like, but what happens if you don't get that safety car? Yeah, but you know, how many times we say that? Like, oh, this happened. It's like we talk yeah. about this all the time. Like people remember the finish. You don't always remember like lap five through forty-five. Yeah. Well, after the safety car, you had three really good battles on the yeah. track all at once and and that yeah, was but interesting for yeah this was for a formula one race this is this is not this is this is pretty this is decent maybe even more than decent yeah i thought it was an average yeah formula one race um would you be interested in talking about how you viewed this from a media perspective in terms of sure the drivers and things like that because um you know it's it's really fascinating for me every time i go to like let me uh, just adjust my back here because the plastic chair I'm sitting chair. in is killing me. Do you want to switch for this? No, thing? do I get you a fan? Like maybe I could like blow a, like get a, like a leaf and I could like wave it at you or something. I feel like then? I should have like grapes and yeah, I'm like well a, aware. You look like a prince. A glass of champagne. This is very com- this is the most comfortable podcast I've ever done. You're mean. This is lovely. <laughs> yeah. This is lovely. I could I could sleep here of course on you this could. chair. You may. I'm sorry, you know what? You're uncomfortable. You, you may be sleeping here. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jordan has the car keys, so <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're carpooling anyway. So it's always fascinating to me to compare like the access and the interview structure and the rhythm of the race weekends. When you go to different series, like when I go to IndyCar, how they do things, or even a a dirt race or when I've covered supercross or whatever, you know, because mostly I know NASCAR, like this is only my second F1 race. Um, man, I was, I was just thinking, I, I guess here's my thought. I kept thinking multiple times this weekend, oh my gosh, the NASCAR guys would lose their freaking minds if they had to do this. They would be so mad. Think about this. Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc, uh, I'm sure several other drivers, I'm not even sure, had to talk all three days of the race weekend. And they were also here Thursday for various media duties um, with one-on-one interviews and marketing stuff. So... You know, if most of them, maybe not Lance Stroll, but most of the major drivers in this series had to talk for four straight days and do media stuff, um, three straight days of press conference type stuff, um, two straight days of bullpen, or did they do bullpen Friday also? Did there were some. There, there was actually in some cases, like the Haas guys who actually did four days of media. If yeah, you count Thursday, the Haas guys did, did four, four days, days because that's a team choice. Sure. But so the team decides, hey, we, you know, we're not a, a major league-covered uh, team. We, we don't. Well, they're America's coverage. team, and they want to. You know, they knew there's gonna be more tension, and yeah. You know. So we'll make our drivers available Thursday, uh, and then McLaren was the same way too. Like they're trying to build themselves as America's team. They were readily available. Yes, McLaren, their guys after qualifying last night, they had uh, you know all the drivers at the bullpen stuff like that. Then McLaren. They said, oh, come to our hospitality area, you know, and they had the drivers, they cleared out, made some chairs for us, us being like the media, I guess, like, I don't know, there was maybe 15 media members in there. And they had Lando and Daniel uh, and their team principal come and they sat there for 15, 20 minutes and answered a bunch of questions. And, and again, this wasn't like the only time they talked all weekend. You know, we're recently we've gotten lucky that nascar has brought the bullpens back there where we get the drivers once a weekend and then you get the first you get the pole sitter in there in the media center and you get the first place finisher from the race in the media center and then uh, in nascar you talk to you know places two through five on pit road in the bullpen but um as far as like having to talk a lot because they keep these drivers for like a long time like in in each of these drivers every driver is required to do media um, on those Friday news conferences, and they were five at a time, all up on stage together. Those were 30 minutes each. Imagine mm-hmm. saying to Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, 
whoever, you've got to do 30 minutes of media Friday. Then after qualifying, you have to come to the qualifying bullpen. Then after the race, every single driver is also required to come to the race post-race bullpen. Are you saying they would not be in they favor of would, that? Oh, my God. They would be so mad. They would they would moan to NASA. Like, I mean, all the veteran drivers because they haven't had to do that. They haven't had to do that, you know? Um, it's just not how things go in NASCAR, and they would be very, uh, they'd be very upset, I think. Um, but so, I guess my takeaway is it's it's kind of actually surprising for me because, well, for many years, under the, especially in the previous F1 regime, you hear about how off limits the F1 guys are and how inaccessible it is. Um, you know, we've got to talk to Lewis Hamilton several days this week. We've got to talk to. Leclerc, Verstappen, all these people in various settings. You, we haven't been able. There hasn't been a chance where we're like, oh man, I really hope to ask you know X driver this question this weekend and didn't get to. You had that chance as a media member here, and that I guess is a pleasant surprise to me. They what do a really good job. Uh, I'm sorry, there's a kitty cat over here. I'm looking at now. Um, I feel bad like the cat doesn't have a home. We should like, maybe adopt it. It's a stadium cat. We could call it like the teardown. That could be our, like our mascot. Well, I mean, now that everybody's leaving, the cat's going to get some delicious <laughs> food scraps. Got, yeah, and, there's no doubt. Yeah. You, you make good points. I mean, it's you come over here and you kind of have certain expectations like, oh, it's going to be hard to interview people. But the accessibility is it's it's amazing. And it's you wake you, you go from this. And, and I said this before. It's like being able to talk to team principals and have those conversations. And... There is a lot more access here than you probably well, tell, imagine. Tell everybody about the team principals press conferences and stuff. That that's something that never happens. Every team, yeah, every team principal comes in, um, all ten of them, and they all have to meet with the media, and they bring them in three at a time, and they sit there for thirty minutes and take questions every single race. That's invaluable for someone like me. Who well, tends I think there's just six a race, right? Was that there was six a race? We, I, we thought only did, got I thought they did nine this. I thought they did. No, no, we only got six. I think they do some sort of rotation where it's every other race they have yeah. to do it. But, anyway, rel- but the yes. other guys all did other availabilities, though, too. So they're all ten were available at some point this week. Oh, I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So, and... Yeah, like Toto Wolf talks all three days. Christian Horner <laughs> talks four days. Yes. You know what I mean? Like Christian, the Red Bull reached out to the American media and said, Hi, we know you don't get to talk to him very much. Would you like to come over and talk to him for, what was it, 30 minutes? Yeah, yeah it was 25 minutes. Yeah, session. it was 20, 30 minutes, whatever and it was. We sat at their hospitality, and it was a little small group of the American media. Yeah, he had his here. lunch. It was great. He ate his lunch, and we asked him anything that was on our mind. You know what I'm saying? And we don't, we just don't get that kind of access. I mean, that that's I feel like this is uh, again surprising to me from yeah. uh, you know the reputation that it has to be able to come over and say, "Wow, you can pretty much." talk to these people as it was refreshing i i felt i mean as, as a media member access is everything uh, and you always want more right and you can never have enough <laughs> and so um yeah i mean it's 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 great it really is and to, for somebody who tends to focus on behind the scenes stuff and business happenings and stuff like that it's like being able to talk to executives is it's pretty invaluable it's it's incredible and i and i really appreciate that can i tell you my favorite thing okay about the whole media thing and i this media center they had not one but two cappuccino makers. <laughs> well, that's just, I mean, we were, com- I'll tell you what, these F1, this F1 lifestyle. Uh, Seriously, I don't know what I need to do to get a, a Mar- uh, at Martinsville. I just need a, a cappuccino maker as I eat my Martinsville hot dog. What's wrong with that? They had an iced coffee bar <laughs> in the in the paddock here that was open to anybody that had a pass. That's great. So it wasn't just like so. team members, and it was free. These are the, these are the, these are the things we need, Jeff. We need cappuccino makers and iced coffee in the garage well, at every I mean, NASCAR race. Let's I mean, like okay, how much how much do you think that costs uh, to have an iced coffee? All all it was was iced coffee, and she'd pour either milk or some syrup into your iced coffee. Yeah, it was just iced coffee, right? Yeah. If you put that in the cup garage and made it free to any crew member or person with a garage pass, yeah. Um, how much would that cost per race? I mean, how much does coffee cost? I have uh, no idea. Coffee. It's five. I don't know, five thousand. I have no idea. But there was a lot. I mean, it was. They okay, were going so like crazy. I had like four. But think about the added it, experience. Everybody that came over that iced coffee stand was like, "Oh, this is nice. What a nice thing." Yeah. People were like walking around their iced coffees. They would stand in this little area where we are now, or sit and have a nice coffee and enjoy themselves. You know, put everybody in a good mood. Um, 
NASCAR. Can we talk about how you didn't want a tipper? That's a very small thing, and it wouldn't change anything. It wouldn't like. No, I will say this though. Remember, man, this was like five years ago, maybe. NASCAR had a DJ in the garage. Remember that? They've done that at times. They've done it at times. Yeah, that was that was one of those. like... What's wrong with that? Well, you can't hear anything because the the, the 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 cars were going like loud and stuff, and, and so it was like this is just silly. Plus, it's he's not silly. R- it makes it a good a- no, atmosphere that, that, for people. Like the the DJ was. Yeah, I, you don't need a DJ in a garage. No, you don't and need as, a DJ in the garage. No, you can't hear anything. You can't even hear the music once the engine guys going. Race day. What are you, What are you trying to hear? Don't stand next to the DJ. No. So the difference is though, is the Formula One though there isn't like there isn't noises in the garage like there isn't engines being tuned like it's a clear separation of the cars are on the other side yeah and we then can barely hear the cars that's the difference though nascar though everything is kind of all-encompassing and that's yeah. uh, that that's the difference and you so what's the point of a dj when you can't even hear the dj well i don't want to i don't want to just bring this up just to I, I did not bring this up just to say well nascar we don't have great access nascar uh you know we do have a bullpen we do we are able to get drivers and many people will work with you um, on, on trying to get interviews and things like that. So I'm not saying that, but I think that there needs to be, because here's the thing, when, when those F1 drivers would come over to the print media or do their TV rounds where they have to, they have to go around this bullpen, this TV bullpen and talk to like how many, like 15, 20 different affiliate TV partners from all around the world. Yeah, I mean, it's quite a few. You've got Swedish TV and French TV and whatever, right? Um, and they, you know, have to say the same thing and answer the same questions all the way around this bullpen thing they got to go through. Um, but you don't see them going, oh, God, or like getting snappy or, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, oh, I got to do this. What do you want? You know, and and I think that that is because they all realize this is a growing sport. They're trying to build the sport. Um, they recognize the value of, wow, this is a great event here. This is good. So NASCAR drivers. Look, by by just being a little bit more open, um, whether that's to fans, because all the F every F one driver had to do the autograph session here this weekend. Did you see that? Yes. Mercedes Lewis Hamilton had to do the autograph session. Okay, um, that's another. You know, whether it's fans, whether it's media, whatever. There's there's got to be a responsibility taken on to say, hey, we want this to be bigger and better. We want to grow the sport. We're not just here to take. We're here to give back. And I feel that's something that's been lost in NASCAR in recent years. I feel like the Jeff Gordon generation, um, you used to hear them talk about a lot about, hey, growing the sport, giving back to the sport. And then there was a, uh, you know, sort of a group of veterans who came along who they never knew anything different. And they were just like, well, this is already big. And then it started going downhill a little bit. They're like, well, why do we, why do we have to do anything? It's not going to make a difference. Like, why, do, why, why should I go out of my way or spend extra time doing this? Um, I, I think the younger drivers maybe might be more willing to do some stuff, but the overall culture is, oh God, we got to do this. Ugh. You know? And I think if that can, and it's a, it would take a long time to change it and it would take years to change it. Yeah. But if, if you can somehow get people to realize, Hey, you know how this grows? Because these guys, they're willing to do this documentary series, which we heard about last year when, so, the, the, okay, go ahead. Yeah. I, I, I think there's a line though. I think there are the vet. There are some veterans who are very public. I don't. Want, I don't want to name names. I just. I really don't feel comfortable. This is a, not a conversation I'm always comfortable having publicly. But like, I think there's fair to say there are some veterans who are very much used to the old way of doing things, way back, right? And they're just like, this is it. And it's really hard to kind of push them. And that was kind of the reasons why that drives or survived NASCAR show event, you know, kind of fell apart a last year, year, last year, which it will be coming back. And, you know, and, but I, I do think there's a little bit of a bum rap on some of the younger, I don't even say younger. Cause a lot of the guys have been around like six, seven years, but like some of these guys are pretty open and doing a lot of different stuff. I, I do think some that, are. and I think that the guys, I, I, it just feels like there's a few, because there's there's a very vocal group of guys who push back, it tends to get more painted with a broad brush. Well, the younger guys see some of the veterans go, I'm not going to do that, or complain about it, or, oh, we got to do this. And they think, well, why should I have to do that? This guy doesn't do it. They're the, they're the top people. You know what I mean? I feel that way, at least. Now, again, I'm not 
I don't want to paint everybody with, with this brush because I think there's plenty of people willing to do it. Obviously, NASCAR would like them to do more, right? NASCAR wants to promote it, promote their own sport, you know, and have people be accessible and available. And let's be honest, the media demands are different, right? There's not as much media covering NASCAR as there is here. It's all over the world. People, you know, are, are coming from everywhere. You know, hundreds of media members are in that media center, whether it's TV or print or online or, or whatever it is. Um, many many you know it's a high demand so they in sort of ways you know they have to uh you know make themselves available i guess uh maybe they don't have to but it, it would be a headache for all these people covering their sports and not be able to hear from people um so there's there's a lot of factors that go into it i just feel like um it's 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 a little bit frustrating to me when i come here and it's a little bit easier to talk to people and find out what's going on or hear from drivers or ask a bunch of drivers about a topic when I've only been to two F1 races in my life and I, because I, I have no right to walk in here and say, hey, I want, I want drivers, I want access, right? Because I, I don't, I'm not on this F1 beat regularly, right? I don't go to, I'm not, I'm not a regular, I'm not going to 20 F1 races. But then you go to NASCAR races and it's like, Hey, let us help. Let can we tell the story to the fans, to our listeners? Can we get information? You know, and and it's a little bit frustrating at times that you can't or you haven't heard from somebody. Um, yeah, that's 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 what sticks with me about it. That's that's all. That's that's my overall point, I guess. And I'm not trying to be an apologist here, but I think Nat, there Nasco realizes they have to do more, and they have like the bullpen. This bullpen thing they've implemented. It's it, helpful. It, it's incredibly helpful, and it's a much rapid departure than it was. I had a, a, a very animated conversation with somebody about this, I don't know, uh, six years ago. And I was like, I, I had a experience at a racetrack with a driver who didn't want to talk post-race, and I was very upset. And I was just like, this this is ridiculous. Like, you go to a pick any sport, like, these, you have to be available, right? Like... And it was like, well, we can't do that. That's just not how it is. But that's changed. Now, people are much more accessible like it has. So it's like it, it is moving in that direction. Still don't have talk. Anybody 6th six, six through 40th in a NASCAR yeah, race does not have any obligation to talk. We're talking post-race. I'm talking bullpen, though, too. And, like, I'm ta we're talking both. But, like, it's still better than it has been. Like, it, 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 it's still much better than it was a few years ago because – we never had, when you go to a race, like there was no guarantees you were going to get every single driver they talked to. Now, though, I know when I go to a NASCAR race, I'm going to have an opportunity to interview every driver in the top 30 in points that given week at some point. Now, you can say maybe it's not enough. There needs to be more. But at least it's different than it was. It, no, it, I, I said that. The, it, and it is better. So it's like, yeah. is it moving slower than we want? Probably. But like it's getting there. And like it's just, you know. I, I think a lot of it, again, comes down to the drivers themselves uh, not pushing back on things that don't take that much effort or time. And, I, you know, let's be honest. Another reason that F1, that it can be done here is these guys, none of them are in a hurry to leave the racetrack. You know what I mean? Like, whether they get done with qualifying or the race, they, they stay around for an hour or two afterwards. They debrief with their teams. Um, they do obviously a lot of media stuff. It was funny. We were watching. We were watching the Joey Logano press conference up in the media center. <laughs> you and me had our computers on NASCAR.com because we are dedicated NASCAR reporters. And everybody else around us was watching a Ferrari Zoom with um, Leclerc and Signs and Mattia, and because Ferrari had made their guys available. This is after. Leclerc and Sainz had already talked to every TV outlet, had done the post-race um, mm -hmm. press conference session for finishing second and third, and then they still did a Zoom with the media, like who wasn't there and stuff, and I guess media who was there. Was asked, there were people around us asking them questions. This was two hours after the race, and they're still here. Yeah, part of that so, is international, though, too. Because they, right, well, that's what I'm saying. They're, they're not... You know, in, in NASCAR, it's like as soon as you're out of the car, you pretty much, you know, you go to your motorhome or you leave or after the race, 
you know, you get you go to the plane as fast as you can and get home before the winner's press conference is even done, depending on where you are, you know? So that it's there's I'm I'm not saying that it's a direct comparison. I'm just saying it's a little bit uh, just jarring to come cover this and be like, wow, that's just not how I thought it would be necessarily. That's all. That's all. Okay. Fair enough. Um, what else? What else are your impressions of this experience as a whole? Uh, this weekend as a whole, the track. Anything else you want to talk about with uh, Formula One stuff? I don't think I've ever covered an event that had more celebrities and star power, and it was uh, it was interesting to see. And my favorite moment of the weekend, I'm gonna not no BS, was that Jeff Gluck, four times today got complimented for the shirt he's wearing, which I have never heard anybody compliment Jeff on anything he's ever worn before. But four times today, people commented at you how they liked your Flamingo shirt. I wore a Flamingo shirt so today for the race. That uh, might be the highlight. On, uh, the, well, Wednesday, uh, I went to Target with my wife, Sarah, and uh, we we were looking through, you know, I said, I, I, I need something a, a little bit uh, flashier. Well, Miami. Yeah, we were buying. We were actually buying diapers. So that's where we were at Target. Oh, that sounds but I was like, let, let me look in the men's Ugh. section real quick, and uh, maybe they have something before I go go to the airport and get on the plane. And she's like, "Well, yeah. I mean, you got to try to, you know, hang with Jordan because you know he's going to deliver some crazy outfits, which you did. Crazy, um, stylish, crazy. Like, stylish, no offense sure. to Beckham, but I was the best dressed person here. You were the best dressed person. You here? put a picture of Beckham and I next to each other. Say, David uh, Beckham was here, so I understand that. I'm just telling you, Dwayne Wade." Or the outfit that you wanted I actually to wear. did see that. I actually might. I want to buy that outfit. That looks so good. <laughs> anyway, uh, I don't think you were the best dressed person here, but maybe the wow. best dressed media member. How about that's, that? Okay. That's a low bar, but okay. If that's your style. Anyway, um, yeah. So I, I thought I'd buy this shirt for twenty bucks, and yeah, four people. You know, norm, nobody ever says anything about my style because I have a completely dad nondescript, style? plain dad style. So yes, for people to say things about my shirt. What a lovely thing. However, I don't really care to do that ever again. I don't like people talking about my clothes. So so what was the one celebrity it. this weekend that jumped out to you? Like, wow, that was cool. I got to see him. Uh, I, don't, I don't really know that there was one no? person. Why was there one for no, you? No, not, not for me at all. I don't. I mean, you know, we heard that, uh, you know, we, you know, with, with my own eyes, I did not get to see, um, I heard The Rock was here uh, or was going to be here. I heard Matt Damon was somewhere here or Justin Bieber. Um, you know, if the, I think if The Rock had come Did, did LeBron by, come? Huh? Was LeBron here? I, I heard LeBron was here, but he didn't come through the paddock. I didn't paddock. see any photos. I saw he was at a party last night in South Beach. Yeah, he, he didn't come through the paddock. Uh, you know, Pat Mahomes was here, but he was over at Ferrari. He was not on the grid, as Martin Brundle thought he was. Uh I guess he, he confused him for Paolo Banchero, uh, from formerly of Duke. Um, that was not Pat Mahomes. But Pat Mahomes was here, though, apparently. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, there's some people here, I think, if, you know, like, yeah, I think I think The Rock would have been cool. Like, if The Rock comes by, yeah. you'd have been like, ah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I saw Serena Williams. That was, that was neat. But, I mean, I wasn't any – there was nobody I was like, Wow. That is amazing. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying? No, uh, I hear you. That's fair. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I certainly don't think that. I mean, I covered a Super Bowl, so I assume there was a lot of celebrities there, but they weren't where I was, where I could see. Yeah, them. you're I've never, never like, seen. You weren't covering the red many, carpet or anything like that. Yeah, I've never seen this many celebrities with my own eyes in one setting in one day. So the, the people watching here was was unmatched for sure, and I think that's again what this event will. Become to know, that's uh, what this. That's what they want it. this event to be. It's South yeah. Beach. It's my. It's sex. It's sizzle. It's speed. It's all of those things. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we're we're. Uh, this is not the end of our coverage. Um, we have much more to come uh, from this race, and uh, appreciate all the feedback that we've we've gotten uh, from our F one stories, and additionally the the Sage Karam story that I published on the Athletic last week. Very nice words from all of you. Nice reception for that. So I appreciate that. Um, if you're more in the in the F1 vein of things, uh, Jordan has a story 
sort of looking at uh, what's next for this race. Um, I'll have a 12 questions with Kevin Magnuson um, at Kyle Larson's request. I, I got that this weekend, so that'll be coming out. And uh, obviously my top five column on The Athletic is going to focus a lot on things we heard from this race, uh, you know, more tidbits uh, from team principals, from drivers. Um, you know, that, there'll be a lot of that in there as well. So if you want to check us out and subscribe, you can go to theathletic.com slash the teardown. And uh, yeah, there'll be much more to talk about from this point on. Obviously, Max Verstappen is uh, going to be, you know, we're going to be talking about him, I, I think, for a long time to come. As we said at the after the last race, oh, he's the championship favorite now. And uh, nothing to disprove that. They're, they're simply faster right now. And even though Leclerc is still the points leader. It's a matter I, of time I, at this it, point. It feels like it's a, a Verstappen uh, year coming up. Unless unless Ferrari can figure out a way to get faster, which it may happen. We don't know. But uh, for now, it seems like a Verstappen world. We're going to wrap up from here in the paddock before they need to pack up these seats and put them in the shipping containers along with everything else. We appreciate you listening, and we will talk to you next time on The Teardown. <laughs>